Welcome. Thank Hello. you, guys. Good morning, everybody. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Good morning, all those folks that are joining online this morning. We've got so a couple hundred people on a given week that will join us online. Yeah, so that's right. It's good to have you tuning in. Uh, hey, over the past couple months, we have been studying the Old Testament book of Exodus. We're going to continue that today, as well as... You can see all the decorations. We're kicking off this season that's called Advent, this part in the church calendar where we anticipate and we look forward to uh, the birth of Jesus um, at Christmas. And we get to take team preach. Hey, hey, there you we go. You your two okay. favorite pastors this morning. You are very so, welcome. That's great. Early so it's going to be a gift. fun mix of things today. Um, and so in working our way through the Old Testament book of Exodus, um, we actually hit a little uh, turning point um, in the narrative uh, where we're going to hit today. Uh, so far, we've been focusing in on the ways that God has been revealing his himself. Um, and we've come over this phrase uh, over and over again. We see this, that God says over and over, then they will know that I am the Lord. God's revealing himself as Yahweh, uh, the great I am. And so as we see with the Israelites, they primarily came to know God um, through his merciful rescue. We also see that God made himself known to the Egyptians um, through many mighty acts of uh, judgment uh, brought on by Pharaoh's challenge of Yahweh and his hardness of heart. And so we're going to see that theme of God making himself known continue in the book of Exodus, but... There's also kind of a secondary thing that gets, begins to get unveiled today uh, as we dive a little bit farther into Exodus 13, this major theme of testing, the theme of testing. Yes, but before we get into that, let's talk about like, where we're actually at in the story. So what we've seen so far is the 10 plagues have happened. They've all come and gone, and Pharaoh has finally said to Moses, I've had enough. Get your people and get out of here. And so the Israelites are now on the move. And as they follow the, the guidance of Yahweh, they step into a series of these tests. Yeah, okay. And so this morning, what we're going to do, we're going to look at three different tests that the Israelites face as they took their first steps out of Egypt. Um, but before we get to those, it feels important to maybe even know, like, why, why tests? Why do they even happen, and how do they, they show up in the scriptures? Yeah, so I think for a lot of us, when we think about tests, we actually have like this physical response that happens in our bodies. Our blood pressure rises, panic sets in, we get the cold sweats, <laughs> our mind goes blank. Maybe that's what we're, I'm experiencing that right now in this moment, no. And we think about all the tests that we've maybe taken in school or some of the tests that we failed. Tests can make us feel like we aren't trusted, or that we have to prove ourselves in order to move forward. But can you actually imagine what it would be like if we lived in a world that didn't have tests? Like picture this, a fresh 16-year-old being handed the keys to a car, never having taken driver's ed, never having studied, never having done behind the wheel, never taking a final driver's exam. I'm not getting in that car. <laughs> or could you imagine showing up for a scheduled surgery? And the surgeon never studied, never passed boards, and said, please lie down while I slice you open. <laughs> no, thank yeah, you, exactly. that's, that's horrifying. Tests are a really good thing. Tests serve as an opportunity to build our character and develop who we are. And it's in scripture that we see time and time again that when God chooses someone to be his representative, giving them opportunity, blessing, and responsibility, things that we are typically praying for, asking God to have in our lives, 
the blessing, the opportunity, the responsibility becomes the test. Ultimately, building our trust in God and bringing glory to his name. Yeah, exactly. And so here's what we're going to see today. Uh, God tested the Israelites because he wanted to develop their trust in him. They want to develop this relationship with them. And the test that they faced all these centuries ago, they're the same kind of test that you and I face uh, in our day-to-day lives uh, even now. And so let's go ahead and dive into Exodus 13. Um, we're going to start in verse 17. If you're here in person, you can grab a Bible. We're on page 47. If you're online, you can grab uh, your Bible there or your favorite device. And as you turn in there, let me go ahead and pray. God, thanks for again for this, uh, this season that we're in. God, thanks for Advent as we lean into uh, a season of, of waiting, of anticipation, of expectation. And God, we believe that you are good on your promises. Now, this is a time that we get to see that you are faithful, that you're good, and that you were at work. And so, Lord, I pray even now, God, would you help us to receive that and see that in our own lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to pick up in verse 17. Are you awake? While you figure that out. There we go. (laughs) Here's what it says. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and camp near Pi-Hahiroth, yes, I looked that up, I had no idea how to say that, (laughs) between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Okay, as we stop there, I want you to take note of this. Um, The Israelites didn't just leave Egypt. They were led out of Egypt. God took the initiative to lead them out of slavery and towards freedom. Verse 21 declares that God says, it says that God went ahead of them. And then it describes how God led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Again, God's goal in leading the Israelites out in the Exodus was not merely to get the Israelites out of Egypt. It was to develop a trusting relationship with them as they learned to follow his guidance and his leadership. And that's where this whole theme of the test comes in. Okay, so what's the first test that we see in this passage? So, so the first test that we see in the passage is a test of unexpected direction. So God has heard the Israelites cry for help, and he's moving them out of slavery towards this better future. It's exactly what they had hoped for. It was the thing that everyone had been praying for, and it's probably safe to say that most of the Israelites 
were thinking or hoping that they'd be in the promised land maybe within the next 24 hours. Like, that would be great, right? Like, we don't have to get too crazy. But that's not what we see happening. Even though there is a road that is shorter, a road that is easier to walk along, God begins to lead his people in a completely different direction. And as the Israelites follow this cloud in the fire, it appears that they don't even know why they're going the direction that they are. That's right. I mean, can you imagine? Like, we've all had backseat drivers before, right? Hey, you missed the turn. Do you even (laughs) know where you're going? And yet God doesn't let the Israelites know his plan. Mm -hmm. It's intentional. He only tells Moses. See, often God has a different way of moving us from one place to another, from point A to point B. But what we find is that it conflicts with our desire for control. It's in the test of following God's unexpected direction that we see why God leaves out the details. Look at verse 17. God says if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. He knows how weak they are. And he knows how weak we are. This is a good God. In the same way a parent cares for the needs of a child without them even knowing that it's a need. That is the kindness and the care that we find in God. When we don't have a full detailed plan of what God is doing in our lives, he is often holding back the overwhelming power of fear that will engulf us and push us back towards slavery. He's like, He's like a master chess player, multiple moves ahead with a plan for victory. He's working behind the scenes in ways that we can't always see. And it's in this section of today's passage, we see God at work behind the scenes as he's confusing Pharaoh. And then later in the story, he takes the Egyptians' chariot wheels and he jams them up as as the Egyptians are pursuing the Israelites. The Exodus narrative makes the point that God is doing more than we can initially see. Yeah, that is so true. There we go. As I look back on my journey, I've really seen uh, these two points we just brought out. um, Just so true. So many different times uh, in 35 years of following um, Christ. Uh, At every near, nearly every point in um, that journey for me, I have seen that God's way of getting me from point A to point B was not only different um, than I ever would have expected, frankly, it was different than what I would have chosen for myself. You've been there before, (laughs) right? Okay, and so it's like God has this whole different plan um, to be able to move us along, and like there's things that we don't see. Give you one example. When I was in my early 20s, I had a beginning sense that God had called me into uh, doing ministry, particularly for my vocation. And so when I graduated college, I wanted to get straight out there. I wanted to go to seminary. I wanted to go to training school, something to just get on this path that I felt like God had for me. Well, that was where God was going, but how he was going to get me there was completely different. And so what that other path looked like was actually spending over 10 years making my living doing something else, (laughs) where I was working in sales and then as well as learning how to do a bit of ministry. At the time, that was super frustrating to me. You know, it's like, God, like, you're not following my directions. (laughs) Ever say that before, right? Nervous laugh. Exactly, (laughs) right? I mean, it's supposed to be the other way around, that we're following God's directions. And as I look back now, over all of these years, we'll fix that later, um, the, uh, the one of the things that I could see is that God had this way that he was working behind the scenes, 
and that there was so much more that he was doing that was really for my care and for my good that I couldn't see at the time. Yeah, that's right. So here's the question. Will we trust God's unseen purposes? It's in the tests that we need to rely on knowing who God is, trusting his character and relying on his faithfulness. That's why Moses brings the bones of Joseph. If you look back at Joseph's story, okay, so think like Joseph, not Jesus' dad Joseph, but like Joseph, coat of many colors Joseph. That one. Like his story, he was sold into slavery by his own family. And then he was thrown into jail as an innocent man. He was constantly finding himself in this exact test. But his story ends with God's faithfulness. And as a result, he has the Israelites swear on an oath to take his bones with them out of slavery. Joseph's bones act as a reminder, a visual reminder that God will surely come to your aid. It's a visual reminder that God is not done and he will continue to come through for his people. When we find ourselves in seasons where we don't understand what God is doing, where he seems to be leading us in unexpected directions, his faithful character is what we have to trust in. Mm, That's really good stuff. So talk a little bit about what does that practically look like? Yeah, so I think from a practical standpoint, um, I think that looks like not just reading our Bible, it's good to read our Bible, but like really leaning into the passages and the verses that highlight God's faithfulness, that highlight his character. Or maybe I know that there's seasons where reading the Bible feels really flat, it it feels like it's not, doesn't have the oomph that you would like it to. Grab a devotional, get a different app. There's lots of ways that we can lean in and be reminded of God's faithfulness through scripture. Um, I think another one is um, being present at church. So what I'm saying is often on weekends, Sunday mornings are a box that we check as part of our our morning or our weekend rhythm. It's just like we just show up, you come in, get your coffee, sit down. It's just like robotic. But, But creating a way that helps you be present with what God is doing in the people, in the spaces around you taking notes in a different way, maybe starting to serve in the coffee bar or on our welcome team. And then another one is spending time with community, hearing the wise counsel of others that are following Jesus as they, and they can help discern alongside us. And like make a note, the one who ultimately misreads God's direction in the story is the one who truly doesn't know who God is. Mm-hmm. It's Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Choosing the people the social media accounts that you let speak into your life, it matters, it matters greatly. And so the test of following God's unexpected direction, it brings us to a place of utter dependence, building our trust in who God is. That's really good. Okay, so the first test that the Israelites faced was this test of unexpected direction. Uh, That brings us to the second test that they faced. Uh, This test of waiting, test of waiting. Anybody experienced this one before? <laughs> love that for yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. We love we waiting. We all love to wait. Like Becca was at Target, and so she was not getting the 40% off, but she had to wait. Uh, I don't so think she waited, just to be clear. She <laughs> was very the, angry. Uh, the, 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 the waiting is this the, the space between where you are and where you want to get to, and all you have to do is wait. It can be so excruciating. You know, we want things to happen immediately, if not sooner, And yet, this is the test that God consistently uses in our lives uh, to develop our trust and deepen our connection uh, with him. 
I want you to think for a moment, uh, again, about the, the Advent season uh, that we're just entering. Uh, every year at Christmas, we revisit, revisit this famous story of Jesus being born, but there's this lead-up time. Uh, there's four weeks of waiting and anticipating, longing and hoping. Why do we have four weeks every Christmas, every Advent, to do this lead-up time? I think one reason is because it connects so authentically. Should we do that? Check one, two. Is that better? Yay! There we go. Okay. Uh, Got to love tech. Why do we have these four weeks? Um, we have these different times to be able to remember what it's like to be human, and particularly in this place of waiting. Waiting for Jesus' birth at Christmas, it deepens our trust in God as we wait on Him for other areas of our lives. The Christmas narrative itself even includes so many different elements of waiting. God's people waited for centuries for the promised Messiah uh, to appear. And for many years, it, is, it appeared like God was completely silent. And, you know, even after Mary and Joseph, um, they had had this amazing angelic visions and visitations. They still had to wait, right? Yeah, I mean, like yeah. nine months until baby Jesus was born. He had to cook. Exactly. And they even waited. <laughs> he had to cook. He did! <laughs> Nine months there. Okay, um, they also had to wait 30 years until Jesus really started to step into the fullness of this calling as a Messiah, you know? And so it wasn't until, like, until he's 30 years old. Right, and, and just... another thing we were talking about just the other day is that in the Gospels, the last record of Joseph, so the other Joseph, Jesus' <laughs> dad, Joseph, um, the last time he's actually mentioned in the gospel is when Jesus was 12 years old. And it's really likely that Joseph actually died before he even got to see the fulfillment of Jesus' mission on earth. Yeah, holy cow. Does I mean, that not speak to our experience? Some of the things we talk about here at the Vineyard of the kingdom of God being already but not yet. Like the space in between of where we're waiting. And sometimes we see amazing breakthrough and things change on a dime. And then there's other times where it's just like, what in the heck is happening? Like we're just waiting and waiting and waiting. But God is faithful. God meets us in the middle of that. And God is so faithful um, to be able to come in these times of waiting. So if you, if you find yourself in a season of waiting, you have lots of company. <laughs> this is one of God's most common tests that he puts, us, uh, puts in front of us. It's a common experience, even as it can be really difficult. Yeah, and so this is, this is the parallel of Advent with what we're kind of talking about today. So if we move back to today's passage, what are, what are some of the things that we can learn about this test of waiting and how do we navigate yeah, it? Yeah, for sure. So God began to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And again, instead of going the short way, he led them the long way and instructed them to camp by the sea. And then he told them to wait, okay? He's like, get them to the right spot and then wait. As they waited, Pharaoh changed his mind and said, what in the heck have we done? Uh, we've let the Israelites go, and we've lost their free slave labor. <laughs> As you, he sends out 600 of his best chariots and fighting men to hunt the Israelites down. And then we read this next. Uh, let's pick up in verse 10. All right, verse 10 says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? 
Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Wow. Now here's where we are beginning to see some of the pitfalls that we get trapped in when we're experiencing the stress of battles that can come with the tests. And the first pitfall is this, is we often go back to previous places of bondage. I mean, the Israelites almost sound like children crying out to have candy for dinner. (laughs) They wanna go back to slavery? That seems crazy as we read it. But here's the thing, is we do the exact same thing. God is leading us towards freedom, and yet we cling to old ways of living because it's simply what we know. Think about it, like wanting to change drinking habits but having a bad day, and so you pull into the liquor store again. We're wanting to to be in a relationship but dating the same unhealthy people over and over again because the loneliness is too much to bear. This is one of the most beautiful things about who God is. God is always moving us towards freedom, but we have to be cautious not to sabotage ourselves and fall back into our old places of bondage. That brings us to our second pitfall that we see. Um, We often will try to fight in our own strength. For some of us, that autopilot reaction uh, is to run away from the battle as as fast as we can, kind of maybe go back to old patterns. But for others of us, the temptation is to fight what is before you in your own strength. Like you're just going to power up, you're going to power through, and it's all about control. But God invites us to a really different path. Look at how the story continues in verse 13. It says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord, the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will never, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Okay, so again, like none of us want to wait, right? <laughs> none Not of us really. like this test of waiting, but it's one of the most common tests that we run into in life, and so how do we deal with that? Uh, Let's look closer at the instructions that God gives through Moses about how to live wisely in the midst of this test of waiting. First, he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. In a season of waiting, don't succumb to fear. I think it's telling, like 365 times in the Bible. One we for every read, day. Exactly. We you read get this one of those little desk calendars and you tear it off every day. It says, do not be afraid, do not yeah. be afraid, do not <laughs> there be afraid. You go. It's automatic way every single day that we can know I don't have to be afraid. God's got me. He's got my situation. I can stand firm. Here's the second thing we see in this passage. Moses says, watch for God's rescue. Uh, verse 13 in the NIV uses the word deliverance, and it could be as easily translated salvation. It's actually the first time that a really particular Hebrew word is used in the Old Testament. It's the word Yeshua. And so literally, Moses says, watch for the Yeshua of Yahweh. It's like one of those hyperlinks that Michael was talking about in a different message. Exactly. And so we've been talking about uh, the different ways that as we look back and we see these different themes or these different words, uh, that they just rise to the surface. This is one of those. Um, And so even as we think about the, the narrative of the Christmas story, this, is, this comes up as well. Look at Matthew 1, verse 21, where uh, the angel comes to Joseph, and this is what he says, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, in the Hebrew, Yeshua, because he will save his people 
from their sins. And so as a faithful Jew, uh, Joseph would have known exactly what this means. After hundreds of years, God was going to reenact the Exodus story. Just as he had brought uh, rescue to the Israelites, he was going to bring salvation, this rescue, the Yeshua of God through the promised Christ child. And I, I love this. Like I get so excited when we read this because what we see happens first is the rescue. God doesn't test the Israelites to see if they're worthy of being rescued. The rescue comes first. This is our salvation. Jesus rescued us first. And because of this, we get to follow him confident and free, filled with hope and joy. And that's what ends up changing who we are and how we live. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It has nothing to do with us fighting for ourselves or trying to prove anything to God. Yeah, exactly. Then the third piece that we see in Exodus 14, the third word of wisdom, is verse 14. Trust that the Lord will fight for you. Trust that the Lord will fight for you. Yeah, and th- this is true. This is, this is fact. But I think that if you've been in the Christian context for a little while, phrases like this can often become like a crappy spiritual band-aid. <laughs> how do you really feel? <laughs> That's how I really feel. Like, I mean, right? Have you, have you ever been there? Like someone's like, oh, just don't worry about it. Just let go, let God. Like, has anyone said that to you? I know I have had very well-meaning followers of Jesus say things like that to try to avoid entering into my pain or really look at what I'm experiencing. But the reality is that God is moving on our behalf. It's most likely not gonna happen in the timeline that we would like or in the way that we would love to see happen, but it's in these tests that our trust in God is built. It's in experiencing the tension of needing God to show up that our trust begins to grow. Then when God does show up, he has a track record for us to look back on in our lives to use as a reminder of God's faithfulness. Or maybe if you're like a newer follower of Jesus, you don't feel like you have a big track record of God showing up in your life. There are countless stories in the Bible of God showing up and fighting for his people. You guys, don't gloss over this, don't pass over this. The creator of the universe sees you knows you, knows your needs, and is fighting on your behalf. That is life-changing. Yeah, and that can bring us such amazing hope. You know, if we're particularly in the season of waiting, where it just feels like nothing is happening, that we can lean into this fact that God is working behind the scenes. God is moving on our behalf, even if we can't see it. It can be so tempting to run back to those false sources of security. We want to encourage you, like, hold on to these promises. Like God is at work, even if you can't see it right now. He's moving on your behalf. Okay, so we have looked at the test of unexpected direction and the test of waiting, but there's a third test in the passage, and that's the test of action. When the time is right, will we move forward with courage? Now, wait a minute. Didn't we just talk about like not doing anything? <laughs> yes, very drastic. And go. Yeah, there you go. Okay, and so it, it, it just—it's so amazing to to think about how um, we really need to know what the test that we are facing uh, is. You know, this is basically the opposite direction of what we just talked about. Um, sometimes we pass the test by standing still, if that's the test that's before us, if we're waiting. 
Other times we pass the test by taking action to move forward. And they often play right hand in hand, where a season of waiting mm -hmm. then all of a sudden becomes a season where we have to take action and we have to move forward. Okay, and so let's read on in Exodus 14, starting verse 15. Uh, verse 15 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise <laughs> your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. A number of times in this sermon series, uh, we've mentioned the Bible Project and their resources. I love how the guys on their podcast in Bible Project uh, describe this part of the Exodus narrative. As the Israelites stepped forward, they entered what they called the Chaos Tunnel. Love I was that. thinking about this. Um, one of the books that I read to my girls when they were uh, uh, young was like, uh, we're going on a bear hunt. And you say, oh, yeah. you can't go around it. You can't go under it. You can't go over it. You got to go through it. Through it. And so this is what God invited the Israelites to, like enter into this chaos tunnel and like the only way to move forward is through it, okay? And so I think that's such a fitting description for what walking into the unknown in various parts of our lives is like. It requires courage. It requires intentional focus to move forward. And I mean, this can come up, so many different things. And so often we can have this where, again, it, it starts with seasonal waiting and then it comes to the spot where we have to take action. You were talking about a story along these lines yes. the other day. Yes, um, I related all too well to this part of the passage. So there was a season a few years ago where my husband and I, we felt like there was change coming, but we found ourselves in this season of waiting, this test of waiting. And I actually remember getting coffee with a friend and she just asked like, hey, how are you doing? And I was like, like honestly, I feel like I'm sitting in a boat out on the open lake with Jesus, and nothing's happening. Like, the, the lake is like glass. We're just sitting there, and I'm getting really bored. I'm like, Jesus, come on, let's do something. Like, do you want me to do some of these guys? Do you want me to get out? Do you want me to, I could push us somewhere. I could, like, drag us somewhere. Like, let's just do something. But here's the thing is, like, when we find ourselves in that season of waiting, we often want to take matters into our own hands. But I didn't. I held back. And honestly, within a short amount of time, I had a conversation with one person. I had a conversation with Michael Gatlin. And all of a sudden, within like a week, we were on the move. Our house was on the market. We were moving back to Duluth. It was like the chaos tunnel. It felt incredibly chaotic. I found myself asking many times, God, is this what, is this what you're doing? Like, am I taking the right, right steps? Like, are we moving our family in the right direction? And, and every single time we took a step forward with courage, God met us and he reminded us that he's doing something greater, something, something that is so special and unique just for us, just for our family. And we watched our household really, really quickly, job opportunities we never expected opened mm. up, people let us stay with them, just thing after thing after thing, God, God provided but it took us taking steps forward with courage. Yeah, that's so true. So the couple of stories that we've shared have been kind of like life momentous kinds of things, like moving your whole life or waiting for like vocational kinds of things. But one of the things we want to highlight is this can happen on like a really like almost mundane, day by day kind of mm -hmm. a place where we're waiting and then we have to take action, where God uh, gives us that little Holy Spirit nudge 
in that the, the way that we move forward is by stepping out and, and uh, uh, being able to follow what he is asking for us. Okay, so back to our passage again. Moses and the Israelites do just as God said. Moses raised his staff. A strong wind came up. The waters of the sea parted. Okay, we can have all these images from the movies, right? And the Israelites began to make their way across dry land. But the Egyptians continued to pursue them. Let's finish out here in verse 26 to 31. 26 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw that the Egyptians Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. So just as God had said, um, he he did what he was saying. Uh, He defended the Israelites. He rescued them from the hands of the Egyptians. God's power literally encompassed, encompassed the Israelites as they made their way across the sea, and it engulfed the Egyptians as they continued to pursue. God was the one that was doing the heavy lifting, but it also required for the Israelites uh, to take action. They had to step forward with courage. They had to enter what we might call this, this chaos tunnel, and it was there that they experienced God. It was there, in the middle of their action, that they saw God's mighty hand at work. And so, again, the same thing is true for us. You know, God is the one that's going to do the ultimate uh, heavy lifting. He is the one with ultimate power, but a step of action is often required on our part. And so this morning, as we have explored these types of tests that we may encounter in our faith, though they are difficult, they're good. And with them, we can see some positive outcomes that come with testing. In the last section of Exodus 14, we see that the people feared the Lord. Their testing actually brought them to a place of reverence and worship. And like the fear of the Lord, it's not meant to be afraid of God, but instead it's like recognizing the ultimate power and authority that God has in our lives. It's like bowing down to a king. It's an act of reverence and surrender. And as we see in the next chapter of Exodus 15, which we will not be going through today, (laughs) the Israelites respond to all these things that they had just experienced with God that the response is, is to worship. Mm-hmm. Tests help us better understand who God is, allowing us to worship him more authentically. Second response that the people had was that they put their trust in the Lord. And we're gonna talk a lot more about this theme um, of trust over the next few weeks as we both look at the ongoing narrative of Exodus as well as we lead closer and closer um, to celebrating the birth uh, of Jesus. Again, God's goal for us is not that we would just know things about him. It's that we would place our trust in him. And even if God leads us to these places where we are standing square in the face 
with different kinds of tests that actually is for our good. It's not for our detriment. God's goal is to develop and to deepen a trusting relationship between us and him. That trust is meant to permeate every area of our lives. Yeah, God is so good to us that he's willing to move at our pace as he develops our trust in him as we go through these tests. He's working on our behalf, often in ways that we can't see or sometimes understand, in order for us to deepen our understanding of who he is to bring glory to his name. And so now we're going to actually transition into some ministry time. that's awesome. And so as we've been talking through these different tests, um, one of our hopes is to be able to take this ancient story and, of course, then um, build this bridge for our own lives. And so as we've been uh, looking at, whether it's the test of unexpected uh, direction, the test of waiting, or maybe the test of action, um, my guess is that, you know, maybe you relate to one or more of those. And so we want to just provide some space for us to respond to God in the midst of that. Where is that coming up for you? What situations, what relationships, what kind of context are you finding yourself facing one of these tests? And what would it look like to be able to move forward from a place of trust towards God? Even if you don't know where that's gonna head, that you can deepen your trust in God. That's what these tests are all about. So I'd love to just have us lean a little bit more into that. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand, and then uh, we're going to transition into praying for one another, back into a little bit more worship, and also just opening up to what God has for us. Let's start stuff. Yes, yeah, so I... I... I'm just actually gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come. So however you feel comfortable this morning engaging, whether that's closing your eyes or holding out your hands, I just really feel like the Holy Spirit wants to make himself known to some of us this morning. And so I'm just, I'm just gonna actually start with praying for us. So Holy Spirit, like we just invite you to come. And Jesus, so many of us find ourselves in these tricky situations, these, these tests. And it's easy for us to become angry towards you instead of seeing the value of what the test can bring us. And so even this morning, Jesus, I pray that you would begin to soften those areas of our hearts that feel angry towards you, that feel frustrated towards you. And would you begin to bring us to a place of surrender? And I also feel like for some of us this morning, uh, you just experienced the thank- wonderful Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving time with your family, but you feel like seeing your family actually reminded you of the longing to see your family relationships being in a different place. You're like, I, I want this to look different. I want this to feel different. I don't want to feel stressed. I don't want to feel this tension. And you find yourself in this test of waiting for God's deliverance over your family. So Holy Spirit, we just pray for those of us longing to see transformation happening within our family systems. Yeah. As since too, that just some of you... Um, 
uh, are in the spot where like that, that place of change is actually in you, <laughs> where you just find yourself just circling back to repeating patterns. And, you know, some of that just begins to uh, turn inward and towards like a self-hatred, uh, a frustration. We just want to declare over every one of us that God has come in the person of Jesus to forgive us and to free us. <laughs> He's for you. He is not against you. Yeah, God, just come and bring your rescue. If you're on a ministry team, why don't you start to make your way forward? We're going to um, go back into some worship, and uh, we're just going to begin to pray for one another. Um, and there's so much that we could potentially respond to, you know, whether it's the, the different uh, aspects of the test that uh, we might experience in our own lives. There might be some other things that you've um, been thinking about and came into this morning that uh, you just need somebody to come alongside and just get before the feet of Jesus uh, about. Um, you know, another thing is just that, like, the, the spot of uh, facing uh, battles in our own strength and um, that God can meet us with his strength instead of our own. And so these guys are going to lead us in some more worship and just invite you to come, um, uh, receive some prayer, uh, reach out to God, bring your real self, <laughs> not your pretty up self, um, to that, and let's see what God uh, will do. Anything else? That's great. Awesome. Thanks for coming to the vineyard this morning. Let's worship. Let's pray for one another.